Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions, and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Hi, this is Professor Chapman. Recently we've been doing some Facebook Live sessions where I've been answering questions from the listeners and participants. What you're about to hear now is some audio of those segments and I hope they'll be useful for you. Prof, we have a question from Natoya live. She says, can you tell me, is there a way to unblock fallopian tubes if the dye studies didn't work? That's where we were 35 years ago when IVF was in its infancy and 40 years ago when there wasn't IVF. We had to think about how we do that. Success rates are very poor, and but it's not impossible. The issue really is whether the tube, why is the tube damaged? If we, for instance, a woman that's been sterilized, she's had clips put on the tubes because she's already had two children, doesn't want any more at the age of 30, but then divorces and the husband comes along, new husband comes along and she's 37 and she wants to have a natural pregnancy. Those tubes were actually normal when she had the clips put on and taking them off and bringing them together is actually quite feasible with good pregnancy rates but the majority of block tubes are not about sterilization now the ones we find are due to pelvic infection and to endometriosis or a previous ectopic pregnancy and the problem with those is that the fallopian tube is not just a drain pipe that connects the uterus to the where the eggs are going to come from it actually nurtures the pregnancy for the first five days of its existence. So it has to produce hormones, it has to produce growth factors and produce an environment that is like being in the IVF laboratory. In the IVF laboratory, we try and mimic the fallopian tube. But when there has been damage from infection or endometriosis or scarring, that lining of the fallopian tube is no longer normal. So it may not produce the products that are required to to nurture a pregnancy and secondly that scarring may in fact stop a pregnancy that's conceived from going any further so ectopic pregnancy is a significant risk after we've tried to repair the tubes to decide whether it's worth doing keyhole surgery is what should be done so that's looking through your belly button under general anesthetic and then down below through the cervix, putting dye up through the neck of the womb to try and work out where the block is and how, and then we can decide how much damage has been done to the tubes causing the block. That can all be done at one hit, but I have to say these days, probably 70% of the time when we've got blocked tubes, there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. The other 30%, sometimes it's just a minor blockage at the end of the tube and we can break down the scar tissue. Prof Natoya says she has endometriosis. Yeah, she's had her tubes tested with high cozy, which is the, currently the common way to do it, which is the which is the ultrasound method of doing it. Sometimes they can be wrong, and therefore the keyhole surgery is important. 
and obviously the keyhole surgery in terms of removing as much endometriosis as possible is important. But if you're going to have, try and have the tubes repaired at the same time, it's important that it's done by a, a laparoscopic surgeon who's well trained in it, not just a generalist who just does it occasionally. Another question from the bank, Prof. Your opinion about babies made with sperm robots and potentially lowering IVF costs? Yeah, I think we're a long way away from that. And I, there are various pieces of IVF that potentially can be mechanized. But some of the automated systems that have been tried actually are producing lower pregnancy rates. So there's still the need for, for scientists with skill to decide where to put the sperm in the egg, which sperm is the best sperm, and which egg is the best egg in the right place. Now, I can't see it taking over in the very near future. It may, robots will help, but unlikely to change the world. Alcohol's effects on fertility treatment while caffeine, is it safe? Okay, I'm probably slightly different to most gynecologists and fertility specialists in my views about both of those. I think the evidence when you are moderate, everything's moderation in my view. So a one cup of coffee a day does not make a difference. More than one, more than 300 grams of caffeine, I think the science shows that maybe it has an impact. But a, a strong cup of coffee in the morning is not going to stop you getting pregnant. In relation to alcohol, uh, similarly, social alcohol, meaning one or two glasses a week, has no impact on fertility or pregnancy, despite what I think is, is an exaggerated view. The exaggerated view for both of those come from the far end of the spectrum. So the woman who binges during early pregnancy, who is basically an alcoholic, yes, fetal abnormalities do occur. There's no question of that. But that far end of the spectrum biases any other commentary about alcohol, in my view. So one or two glasses a week, not every night. If you're going out for dinner, don't be your social misfit. Have, you can have a glass of wine, don't have a bottle of wine. So that's my view, and I don't think the science is convincing that view is wrong. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com, and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him, michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.